Welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, the show that curates the streaming media industry news that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the factual data you need to know without any of the hype. The Pulse of the Streaming Media Industry. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn, along with co-host Mark Donegan, who is going to help me run through the rest of the numbers this week from our earnings. Uh, apologies, I'm a little under the weather today. So hopefully my voice will hold up. If not, Mark, I will, take over I will and, step uh, in. Sing and perform, <laughs> dance. Well, I don't Nobody dance, see you, but, but, and I don't sing, but I, don't, right. I can talk. Well, you might have to today. <laughs> okay. We've got uh, we've got Disney, we've got Warner Bros. Discovery, Sling TV, Dish, obviously mm-hmm. Vizio, Akamai, Bright Cove, Kaltura, Comscore, Vimeo. Many of these we can run through quickly, but some of these do require some discussion and some points listeners should know about. So, Mark, let's start with Disney. Yes. Disney added 7 million Disney Plus subs, so they're just over 150 million now, total, yeah, globally. Uh, Hulu SVOD lost 100,000. So Hulu's at 43.9 million total. Hulu plus live TV gained 300,000 subs. So that was yeah. good to see. They have 4.6 million total. ESPN plus gained 800,000 subs. They've got 26 million. Uh, direct-to-consumer revenue is just over 5 billion, but it lost $420 million in the quarter, which Wall Street was happy about because it's a lower number than previous. Yeah. Previously, they've had, but man, 420 million. It's incredible. Two key points here for listeners that you need to know. With Disney, you know, they did say that they expect their D2C business to reach profitability in Q4 of fiscal year 24. Mm. That's fiscal year, not yes. calendar year. So that's exactly four quarters mm. from now. So Q3 of calendar year. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, also very interesting, Mark, ESPN plus was profitable in the quarter, generating 33 million in positive EBITDA. Yeah, I noticed that. That's, that's not happened before with ESPN plus. So interesting. Uh, Disney also announced they had over 5 million AVOD subscribers. So that's a new number mm-hmm. for them. Uh, their CEO had a long conversation on CNBC. Good interview. Uh, I love how much he talks, uh, and uh, sometimes maybe he shouldn't, but he he did. So uh, he did say that ESPN's direct-to-consumer offering will launch, quote, no later than 2025. Mm-hmm. ESPN overall, their operating income surged 16% from a year ago to $987 yeah. million. So a couple interesting things he said was, looking at the TV advertising business for the linear channels, he thinks there's still some opportunity there Mm. and that they're not as bad as even maybe they originally Mm. thought. So he made it clear, look, there's no guarantee that we're going to sell these channels. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what they do with that. And then on the India, you know, there's news that Reliance wants to buy Hotstar. He also came out and said, well, when it comes to India, we haven't yet decided, but we might actually want to stay there and reinvest. You know, I'm wondering on the ESPN side, so let, let's talk about the good news there with ESPN Plus. Um, the RSN turmoil uh, and the fact that ESPN has rights, that ESPN is a brand, it's a destination for sports fans. They are in a position, they already have rights for, you know, for 
for a, a number of the leagues. And, you know, I just wonder if, if that's a kind of, um, infusing them with some new, um, possibility. Let's call it that. I think you it know, could be. Um, I think it's a good point. RSNs I, are imploding. It, it just absolutely imploding. And, you know, there's some interesting, the, the hard thing about reading about the whole sports market and all the rights is that my analysis is that there's a lot of reporting about it. There's a lot of writing. There's just way too much conjecture. You know, there's just a lot of unknowns. Yeah, and, yeah. and and again, conjecture because there's unknowns. But, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it gets reported a little more like it's fact. So you kind of have to read a lot of it. But there's a common theme, though. And, you know, the common theme is, is that, look, these teams um, and and these leagues in some cases, but especially the teams, you know, they're sort of lost. Some of them are sort of like, what do we do? You know, they really they they like the concept of going direct to the consumer, but that's not what they've ever done. You know, that's not you know, you're asking them to build a capability and to do it quickly. Uh, and so if they could go to ESPN. And if they could, you know, license, strike a deal there, um, I don't know. Possible. Fubo has been very and, successful and Fubo, with the RSNs. Yeah. And, and Fubo, Fubo, I think, has is been very successful. Lift. Yeah, as a result. So I, I'd say there's a couple, let's call it three key takeaway points here that I think listeners should be aware of. First, right now, Disney is a cost-cutting story. Yes, it is. Yeah, let's yeah. just call it what it is. They also announced in during earnings that they think there's an additional $2 billion that they can cut out. Mm-hmm. They have a new CFO coming in, but now they've got to be careful how cut how deep they cut here because at some point it impacts your content inventory yeah, and your true. slate of what's coming yes. out. And we all know how important content is. I would say opinion based, not fact. I don't particularly think Disney's had a lot of great hits as of late, content wise. So you gotta be careful. If you yeah. keep cutting and you don't have enough content, you might impact your your yeah, turn yeah. in a negative way. So that's the first thing to keep an eye on. Second is they've talked about wanting to have a partner or two partners taking an equity stake in ESPN. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they said that is because the partner could, quote, help with technology, mm-hmm. which confuses me because Disney's core problem is not technology. The number one problem with ESPN is that the cost of sports rights is so yeah. high. Yeah. So that wouldn't really help them there. And then the final thing I'll say is from a content licensing standpoint, Disney has been licensing content to Netflix, Mm -hmm. as we know. Uh, Bob did come out and say they will continue to do so, but it won't be their core Mm -hmm. brands, which is expected because that's what makes their platform valuable. But it makes me second guess if Disney really has their content strategy back on track because what's the point of creating this content to begin with? If there's not enough value to your core that's audience right. that you're licensing it out to Netflix. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very true. It's kind of an odd approach. So the bottom line is we, we've we got some information from Disney, but clearly they're looking at what the strategy is going forward. They did also announce that they're going to combine Disney Plus and Hulu into one app, doing a beta test in December. I don't know why the media is going bonkers over it. Who the hell cares, yeah. to be honest? Like, that's not what's stopping exactly. subscribers coming to your network. Exactly. So um, great. Um, Roll out the platform or the app. I just hope it works well. Yeah. And that's, you know, that technology comment, I'm also a little bit um, baffled by that one too. Like, you know, first of all, you spent $3 billion on BAM tech and 
Bam Tech's a very solid platform. And yet we know that, you know, they've had cuts in the technology group. And so like, what's going on here? I hope they're not running away from this asset that they already have in house. (laughs) Well, they pretty much, uh, let's be honest, they pretty much have already ran away from it. Hmm. A lot of that technology in the BAM tech days is long gone. Those platforms are not being used. More than half, from what I understand from people mm. internally, more than half of all the employees that used to be at BAM tech yeah. are gone. Yeah. That's that's yeah, a lot that's of people. Lot. And that acquisition was quite a long time ago. And it was also at a time where, if we remember when Disney Plus yeah. launched, there wasn't these things going on between COVID, macroeconomic yeah, right. issues in the business world. Uh, the RSN issues, all the things taking place with sports. So really quite a different time in the media landscape. But yeah, I I don't get the whole like technical help. I don't really think that's the limitation here. So we'll have to watch Disney. Uh, Let's jump into Warner Bros. Discovery. They lost 700,000 D2C Mm -hmm. subs. So they now have 95.1 million. Uh, The key thing here is this quarter, they had positive EBITDA of $111 million in their D2C business. Yeah. 2.43 million. Sorry, 2.43 billion. billion. Yeah. So it's it's half the size, almost exactly, just a little less right. than half the size of Disney's D2C yeah. business. But it generated positive EBITDA yeah. in the quarter. At the same time, the CFO said, quote, it is unlikely from today's perspective that we will hit our target leverage range by the end of 2024 without a meaningful recovery of the TV ad market. So, not surprising there. We we know advertising has taken a hit. We did see a few positive signs from Roku and some others recently saying they think it's getting better. But Warner Bros. Discovery's TV network segment, their ad revenue fell 12% year over year. The CEO said, this is a generational disruption we're going through. Going through that with a streaming service that's losing billions of dollars, it's really difficult to go on offense. Yeah. Wow. Not yeah, surprising with that sure. either. Uh, they also said the reason they lost DTC subs this quarter was, quote, largely a result of an extraordinarily light content slate. Makes sense because of the strike. Yeah. And, it, you know, just anecdotally, and, and I... I love, you know, HBO Max and, you know, so like, I don't say this, you know, it actually saddens me, but, um, just in fact, last night, you know, my wife and I were looking for a new, you know, something new to start, you know, we'd finish what we were watching and I went to HBO Max and was rooting around and I, you know, unfortunately I left and, you know, found something somewhere else because I felt like there's not anything here. You know, not only that I didn't like, but just I was a little bit surprised, you know, so. Well, also the strikes. I, I, we can understand, we can understand why I, I, exactly. But right. that is a very real thing. Um, You know, now I'm, True. you know, I'm in a position being in the industry, et cetera, where, you know, I'm not going to cancel. But, you know, if I had that feeling and kind of the average person, they're kind of like, uh, maybe I'll cancel, you know, it's. um unfortunate but yeah i'm interested to see q4 numbers for yeah. sure i mean we'll mention sag after strike is not i guess it's it's, it's, it's over, over but it's not yeah, yet voted yeah. on and you know the paperwork still has to be done we don't have details yet no. i think we will by monday tuesday on what the deal terms are because there is a streaming quote bonus in there 
but we don't know what that means exactly. But that is going to help all the companies. It's going to take them a while to get back and get starting. Now, the key thing for listeners here to understand on Warner Bros. is this. The company repaid $2.4 billion of debt during the quarter. That's important. And the reason is that they are setting themselves up to position themselves to be an acquirer rather than a distressed asset. So they are paying down debt and increasing cash flow. They've paid down $12 billion in debt and expects to generate at least $5 billion in free cash flow this year. Now, they still have a $45.3 billion gross debt. So they've got some, some debt issues there. But here's why listeners should care. There's a lot of talk in the industry about consolidation taking place. A lot of that is nonsense because these companies are too big to acquire one another from a regulatory standpoint. However, if a company gets to a certain point where they're a distressed asset, regulators throw that monopoly thing out the window. It's no longer an objection because it's considered a distressed asset. Now, what that barrier is, I do not know. Not one of those finance lawyer people. But I thought it was very interesting that the CEO specifically at Warner Brothers called out in the earnings call that they're looking to position themselves in an acquirer rather than a distressed asset as time goes on. Yeah, there's a reason why he, interesting. he said that explicitly. That's Yes, you know, and paid down $12 yeah, billion dollars yeah, in debt yeah. this year. And, you know, look, as you pointed out uh, at the beginning of the update, for Warner Bros, they, you know, they had positive EBITDA of 111 million. So as much as, you know, for D to C, for D to C, exactly. And, you know, while, while Disney and others are losing, still losing money less, but they're still losing, you know, they 111 million, you know, so. Yeah. The question is, Mark, can they keep that up multiple quarters in a row? Yes, that's true. Or is that just a one-off? Because you're not spending as much con- money uh, on content. content. That or, you know, maybe you maybe you come back advertising and marketing and, you know, you can go a quarter and still, you know, but then again, they lost 700,000 D to C subscribers. So, you know, it could yes. be this quarter. They're like, hey, gang, we need to spend that 111 million on marketing. You know, I mean, that's how and this they works. They did raise so. pricing. Yeah. They raised pricing. I don't remember what month it was, but oh, pricing think, also went up. So that yeah. might... That was counteract recently. the loss. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah, it was. I can't remember now with all the price increases, what month it take place. Uh, let's go to Dish. So Sling TV actually gained subs. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. But overall, Dish lost 64,000 TV yeah. subs. So Sling gained 117,000. So Sling now has 2.12 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dish's stock, man, it was down over 20%. When the market opened after their earnings this week, yeah. I didn't look at it, but uh, their net loss was $139 million. Uh, so that's a big deal because they had $412 million in net income earned year over year. Yeah. So they went from earning that to losing $139 million. So uh, they also announced layoffs. Uh, more than 500 people specifically in Colorado were laid yeah. off. Uh, they have to file, all companies have to file certain things depending on how they do layoffs in certain states. So while Dish had to say how many employees they laid off in, in Colorado, they would not comment on the total number of employees they laid off. 
The media reported as 20% of the overall workforce. Mm. They did go on record and say that number is not accurate at all. They said it is less than 20%, but that could be 19% for all we know. So not really sure what that means, but more layoffs in the space. Let's jump to Vizio. Uh, Vizio now has 290 fast channels. That's incredible. Their platform plus net revenue was up 22% year over year. But now here's the problem. Their SmartCast active accounts is now 19.9 million, so call it 20 million, but the growth is slowing. They only added a total of 1.3 million new active accounts over the past four quarters. Oh, wow. Last year. And the reason for that is they only really get more active accounts if they sell more TVs. And in the quarter, they shipped 1.1 million TVs. Mm down 8%. That's how many they shipped. Keep in mind, that's not how many were sold. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because they're important. sitting in the back of warehouses and on retail Could be. floors. and yeah. yeah. Or they're not yet connected to the internet. Yeah, exactly. Now, the yeah. other number here, Mark, that we always love is ARPU. Mm-hmm. So, SmartCast ARPU was $31.55. That's trailing yeah, 12 that's months. 12-month so we'll Divide that by 12. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that's up 14% year-over-year. So they're always good about growing ARPU. And then the final thing is they announced their, quote, beginning to explore partnerships with other TV OEMs looking to, let me just rephrase this. They didn't really quote this too well. They're looking at other TV manufacturers that they might partner with who want to get into the CTV yeah, market. So they'll they'll basically license they, their, so, their OS, their software stack. It sounds like it. They basically said between their expertise with hardware and software, they think they could work with some future partners, but they didn't outline who that was. Mm-hmm. So not really sure is anyone interested in working with Vizio? I don't really know. Uh, who are they going to target? The ones that are using Roku's OS? Yeah. Hard to know, but they did they did mention that. Um, Netflix, just real quickly, Netflix's stock is up a hundred dollars in the last 23 days. hundred bucks. We love pointing this out, Dan, for all of those people who just, you know, six months ago were calling for Netflix to be acquired. A year ago. They were going to yeah. have to be acquired. Yeah. There, you know, no way they can make it. hundred dollars, <laughs> 23 days. Now, yeah. some of that raised today, we're recording this after the market closes on Friday, November 10th. Part of that raise is due to some analysts on the street did put out um, new targets for Netflix stock mm-hmm. in the 510 to 525 range. Mm-hmm. So when analysts do that, that, that obviously helps the stock. Yeah. So that's part of the reason the stock was up today. Let's go into some vendors, Mark. Uh, Akamai had some good earnings, not surprising there. Total revenue of $965 million the quarter. So they're almost a billion dollars a quarter. Revenue is up 9% year over year. Security revenue is up 20%. Delivery revenue is down 4%, but that's good considering delivery revenue was down 9% and some other larger numbers. So it's stabilizing a bit. Compute revenue, still very small, but up 19%. They gave full year revenue guidance of $3.8 billion to $3.82 billion. So next year, for sure. Uh, Akamai's a four yeah. billion dollar a year company, yeah, just in terms of revenue. That's incredible. Amazing. Does that uh, we cover does break that split of security revenue? It, it's it's almost exactly half. You know, it's four hundred fifty six million, and you know, on nine sixty five. Does that surprise you? Um, or 
No, okay. not at all. If you if you look at the runway they have in the security yeah. business, it's just it's incredible. WAF, DDoS, bot mitigation, mm-hmm. credential stuffing, all the all the stuff that they're doing out there. You know, Akamai, as we know from a CDN standpoint, diversified away from that business many, 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 many years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with application acceleration, yeah. all those other services at the time, the companies they bought, everybody's Every other CDN is trying to follow mm-hmm. suit. So when it comes to the security side, Akamai still has such a large runway mm-hmm. ahead of them. There's so much further ahead of others in terms of product feature mm-hmm. set, capacity. I mean, just look at the revenue alone. People can argue and say, no, no, no I like another product better. Okay, just let's look at something we can't argue mm-hmm. with, revenue. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. incredible. Got to give them a lot of credit yeah, on that. For sure. Uh, let's jump to Brightcove. We covered Brightcove's earnings, Mark, last week, but in their filing, there was a couple things I called out here. Uh, during the company, Brightcove's CTO left. They did not announce that, actually, in the filing. Uh, sorry. CRO. Let me back yeah. up here. The CRO left the company. They are actively hiring for a yes. replacement. They mentioned that, but what they didn't mention is that their CTO left. Mm. And if you go to the website now, they no longer list mm. a CTO. I don't know if that's a position they're going to refill or not, but we'll see. Uh, The company had a $30 million line of credit. They've redone that credit with a new loan modification agreement. So they still have it. They're going to use it as a, quote, operating safety net as they go forward. This was interesting in their filing. In the nine months that ended September 30th, so Q3, they decreased their content delivery network expenses by $4 million. And decrease their marketing program expenses by two point two million year over year. The marketing program for the one full doesn't year? surprise me. No, <laughs> all they had to do is cut well, Brightco, marketing Brightco play. I mean that conference. Like, come on. Well, they still did it online. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they hired like they a lot hired, cheaper yeah, than doing they it in hired, person. Like Hollywood film producers to do it. I bet you they, uh, Dan. I'll bet you they spent a million bucks on it. I would not be surprised. I, I, I would oh. not. Uh, they're expensive. Uh, Let's say that it's six figures uh, for sure. I, mean, I don't know if it hits seven, but they don't, they, they didn't expensive. need to, but they did. <laughs> so anyway. uh, also 60% of the revenue was generated from North America. Hmm. They also said, quote, we expect customers using our volume offerings to continue to decrease in 2023 and beyond as we continue to focus on the market for our premium solutions. Mm-hmm. Not surprising mm-hmm. to me. At the end of Q3, they had 671 employees, which was only down 32 Mm. year over year. And then there was a comment in the filing that their former CEO, Jeff Ray, was paid $1.1 million when he retired for his annual base compensation and 2022 annual bonus. And then the final piece, as I said, we have seen customers seeking to move to monthly or quarterly billing terms versus annual in advance which has altered and effectively slows our collections. It's just another point of where companies want to hold on to their money as long as possible. So when they're going to pay vendors, it's like, hey, we want some more time to pay you. Let's jump to Kaltura. Data revenue of 43.5 million, so up 6% year over year. That was good. Their gap net loss was 10.7 million. Good for them because it was down from almost 20 million year over year. Full year revenue guidance of one one seventy one to one seventy three. So that midpoint there, Mark, they'd be up two percent. 
over 2022, which isn't great, but you've got some companies that are negative. Yeah. They had 34 million in cash and cash equivalents. Uh, Comscore, revenue 91 million, down about 2%. Net income was 2.6 million. Listen to this, compared to a net loss of 52.4 million year over year. So if listeners aren't getting the point here, Look at how much money companies have cut out to try and get to net income. Yep. And we're starting to see it. Uh, and growth mark, we just talked about Kaltor maybe having 2%. Well, for Comscore, revenue guidance of $376 million is flat to negative 1% year over year. They ended Q3 with $30.3 million mm-hmm. in cash and cash equivalents. Now, before we jump on to the next one, Mark, one of the things listeners need to realize is what's driving growth in this industry going forward will not be technology right. or products or services. It is going to be what happens with vendors' finances yeah. and their banking. Yeah. Because if you notice, Comscore has $30.3 million in cash and cash equivalents. Kaltura has $34 million. If you look at how much, I have it written down Bright, here, Bri- Comscore has 30.3. Brightcove Bright- has 16.4. I was say, has, yeah, 16. Yeah. Edgeo, their earnings are not yet, but in the last one, has 36.2. Yeah. So what's going on here that's different from previous years is the cost of money is so high, mm-hmm. percentage-wise, 13, 14, 15%, versus interest you're paying of 1% to 2% three years ago, that you'll notice companies no longer have a bit of a war chest for cash and cash equivalents. Now, what does that do? That keeps them from being able to do acquisitions and their stock prices aren't doing great. So listeners need to realize that some vendors in the market are having trouble getting additional money, getting an additional revolving line of Mm -hmm. credit. Mm -hmm. And that impacts growth. That impacts how many people they lay off. And while we're going to have some good Q4 numbers, I think, as far as streaming overall, advertising or whatnot, we are still going to have problems from a vendor standpoint in the new year. There are more layoffs that are going to have to be done for companies to get to free cash flow. And here's the key point. You can't just get to it for a quarter. You have to show Wall Street you can do it three or four quarters in a row. Sustainable. Yeah. Sustainable. So positive EBITDA first, free cash flow after that is really, really important. So if you look at how much cash a lot of these vendors have, interesting that it's all between the 15 to $35 million range. Now, Akamai doesn't count. Those guys have been printing their own money for years, right? There's some out there who are in a whole nother level of cash and cash flow. But the smaller vendors, keep an eye on that. Let's jump into Vimeo. Uh, Vimeo's revenue is $106 million, so down 2% year over year. Uh, net income, though, $8 million. There's another one. Net income, $8 million. Okay, it's a low number, but it, it's positive. positive. That's right. In Q4, they expect bookings to decline in the mid to single digits year over year. A couple other thing, things to note here. Unfortunately, Vimeo's going back to this term enterprise again annoys me um 
Their enterprise customer, the ARPU, was $1,737 a month. I just, I just don't think that's enterprise. Uh, Q3 headcount was down 12% year over year. There are what they call self-service and add-on customers. Their ARPU is $16.83 a month. So uh, that's that's another one there. Um, you know, Mark, I totally messed up on this one, so apologies to Brightcove. It was not Brightcove CTO that I was saying left. It wasn't on the website. My apologies there. I messed that up with Vimeo. Vimeo CT has gone. Vimeo. And has been removed from the website. Okay. So apologies to Bright Cove. I, I didn't mean that. Uh, it was Vimeo. So in the shareholder letter, they did not announce that. Uh, but the person is gone. And if you looked them up on LinkedIn, you can see that they've they've yeah. left. And then finally, if you look at the number of subscribers Vimeo has, again, that's a very weird metric to use. If you're talking about enterprise users, why do you call them subscribers? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. But note, in the case of customers who maintain accounts across things like self-serve, add-on, Vimeo, Enterprise, and other, Vimeo counts them as one subscriber for each of the components in which they maintain a subscription. That is their wording directly out of the SEC filing, which means those numbers are larger than they really should be. Uh, They also said they see some headwinds on the pipeline side in Q3 and Q4. Uh, They said it's largely due to execution issues that are being addressed and that the macroeconomic environment may have also had some impact. Not surprising. Uh, And then a couple other things, Mark. Finally, CDN 77, private company, been around a while. Um, Met with them recently and they nicely allowed me to disclose on the blog and LinkedIn what their revenue is. So like we talked about last week, on the podcast, bit moving mm-hmm. nicely allowed me to put it out the revenue. CDN seventy seven did as well. Uh, I love this because it allows us in the industry, and especially anyone who has an analyst role, to really gauge, judge with actual methodology and numbers what is the market looking like from a growth standpoint mm-hmm. for certain size vendors. So, revenue for twenty twenty three for CDN seventy seven will be in the one hundred forty to one hundred fifty million range. Two-thirds of their revenue comes from content delivery, mm-hmm. primarily video. And the other portion of the revenue is from traditional infrastructure services. They said revenue for 2023, it's up 30% year-over-year. And they expect it to get closer to 40% year-over-year in 2024. They're also currently cash flow positive. And since the start of the year, they upgraded their network from 105 terabits of egress capacity to 150 terabits mm-hmm. egress capacity. They also, they're, they're extremely quick and nimble. And it was interesting when the Lumen news was announced, I, I could just see in the market for some from some other data points and conversations how quickly they were going after Lumen customers. Mm-hmm. They put a whole war room together. Wow. They posted a photo of them yeah. themselves on LinkedIn. Well, yeah. they also announced a week ago that they've already signed up, tw- they signed up their 20th ex-Lumen customer. Wow. In less than a month. Wow. Wow. So really focused, going after a segment of the market that's not, hey, let's go get Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's that's not the business yeah. they're going after, which is smart. smart. Yes, absolutely. Because the margins are higher in those mid-tier yeah. customers. 
It's traffic outside the yeah. U.S., so it doesn't have the lowest price point. Very quick and nimble. Mm-hmm. Not trying to be a half a billion dollar mm-hmm. company real quickly like every other CDN has tried. So interesting to see what they're doing. Uh, I love the fact they put the numbers out. And with Lumen and StackPath deciding to exit the market mm-hmm. certainly helps them. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also just say I'm not going to use names here because, frankly, I don't want to give them any visibility. But the number of analysts in the space who supposedly know the CDM market, who in the last week alone in their blog post or podcast said that Akamai acquired all of Lumen's CDN contracts. The number of analysts saying that, it just boggles my mind. That is not what Akamai has done. But they did. (laughs) It's not what they announced. It was, quote, approximately a hundred enterprise customers. So that's important because if Akamai had acquired all of Lumen and StackPath CDN business and contracts, you wouldn't have CDN 77 being able to pick up customers or clients, not this quickly. So important to point that out. And then finally, Mark, let's just end with, you already talked about what we're seeing in the market as far as just, you know, the economic conditions, but, um, you know, Interesting comments here from a couple different vendors. I'll read just two. Cloudflare. You know, they said, with broadening geopolitical uncertainty and increasingly mixed macroeconomic data points, the business environment in which we operate remains challenging to predict. Yeah, that's right. Brightcove, even more so. Yeah, they... Worldwide economic uncertainties and negative trends, including financial and credit market fluctuations... Mm -hmm. Uncertainty in the banking sector, rising interest rates, political unrest, and they listed a whole bunch of other things, um, have and could continue to affect our business, financial condition, and results of operations. Now, this isn't just Breakhove. This isn't just Cloudflare. And some of this they have to call out pretty much legally to cover themselves in their SEC filings. but. My point is, you, you have to you have to be aware of this if you're working at a company tied to streaming, media, broadcast, pay TV, whatever you want to call it, OTT, because these numbers tell the story. So I spoke to a couple of people this week, Mark, when limited layoffs, and you know they they reached out about help. So I called them on the phone, and like I was so surprised, you know, limited layoffs. And again, it's just like why. Why would you be surprised? Look at their numbers. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's important. And I saw a couple of posts today from people uh, talking about Dish and whatnot, uh, doing LinkedIn posts. Uh, so there's more of that to come. You know, I, I hate to uh, I hate to put that out to people, but, you know, the reality is we need real information in the market and not sugarcoating it. Yeah. You know, everything is fine. There's no issues. And you should really, whoever you are wherever you work, whatever your job title is, definitely look at what's taking place in the market from a financial standpoint. That's true. It's it's definitely important. On the advertising side, finally, we had some mixed results, Mark. Um, New York Times, you know, they, they had more subs, which which was great. Um, ITV, RTL, you know, overall ad revenues fell, mm-hmm. but it fell less than in previous mm-hmm. years. So that was good. Um, we, we've seen Roku talk about they think advertising's getting a little bit better. 
Walt Disney said, well, it's not really great on the TV side. Well, we know that, but Roku's not in the pay TV business. So that's good. Um, I, I think we're starting to see some some positive signs on the ad side, but that is not something that we're going to get out of a hole from in the industry in a quarter or two. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. So I think I think next year budgets tighten even further. I think there are more additional layoffs. If some of the vendors in the market cannot get a revolving line of credit, we are definitely going to have some companies that are going to have to do something because they'll be out of cash in a year. Yeah, you know, this 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 credit issue, this revolving line of credit is one that, you know, it's hard if you're an employee and especially in a medium or larger size company, you just would never get exposure but um to, you know, to it. But in a smaller company, um if it's possible, uh you might want to understand what the situation is. I was talking to one founder who has a a very, um, you know, it's a, it's a modest size company, but they, they've been in the market for a while. They're, you know, they're, they're running it very wisely. They haven't raised money. They're bootstrapped. He was telling me that one bank he deals with called him up out of the blue and raised the interest rate to 14%, 14. I believe. And then not only, so, you know, so that's a gulper, but then started putting some restrictions on uh, if he didn't hurt hit certain revenue targets. And I think there was even some profitability targets. And I mean, it, it was, you know, the implication, he didn't say this, but, you know, in him describing the situation, the implication was that the, the bank kind of maybe doesn't want him as a customer anymore. Want the know? business, right. And, 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 it's incredible because this is not uh and and they're not directly in the space so it's no one anybody would particularly know but you know he's you know he has a very viable ongoing he runs it revenue neutral so you know they're not necessarily highly profitable because he's investing back in but the the point is you know he's doing all the right things to run the business and his bank you know which he relies on from time to time when he needs to flex into, you know, um, into capital, um, with the line of credit, it may not be there. And yeah, it may not. And they might have to restructure that. If it's debt related, you might restructure your debt, but what you're seeing companies do, but also the SVB, SVB bank Mm. issues. A lot of companies lost their line of credit through that. So now they had to go to new banks and going to banks two years after that, when the interest rates are (laughs) much, much Much, different. I mean, one and a half percent to 13 or 14% today is a difference between companies expanding or not. Absolutely. Growing or not. 100%. So it's it's a huge issue. And I know, Mark, we've been saying for, I've been saying at least for probably six months, we'll go through more of the, all of this business stuff on a podcast one day. And we do cover it a little bit, but the Fed interest rate and the other things, it's a big impact in our industry. And my concern is more people get laid off. They're really surprised by it and they're not prepared how to pivot next. Yeah, I we keep saying it. We really do need to do it because also on the you know on the layoff in the in the job search front, um, it, it, there's there's a common theme as well. Um, you know, some companies that that I'm involved in are are recruiting and hiring for various roles. Not a lot of positions open, but you know there are some. And on the uh, on the sales and on the even the marketing side, it just continues to astound me. And you've said this many times, 
it, the basic qualification is I've been in the industry X number of years and I have an amazing Rolodex. That's the quality. That's the extent of the qualification. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and my yeah. point in that is that um, if, if, if you can't connect to and make it very, very clear about how you drove revenue or are driving revenue and can drive revenue, um, the years in the industry and unfortunately, you know, as much as yes, so, uh, you know, connections and a Rolodex, super helpful. And, you know, that's not discounting that, but that is not what people are hiring for today. Um, it's the methodology behind yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and, and the sad thing is, is it, you know, I have a feeling that obviously, you know, these individuals did sustain a career. They obviously did something for the companies they work for or else they wouldn't have continued to, you know, have kept their job, et cetera. Well, but they not, I would say not everybody, but okay. Yeah, well, not everybody. well, that's, and, and that, and, and I'm looking at a lot of LinkedIn's Mark where, yeah, I looked at one just before we got in the call here. And I was like, okay, over the last 10 years, this person's been at eight companies. Yeah, well, yeah. So, like, there's a problem. You're jumping yeah, to a new they, company yeah, every you 11 can't months. possibly drive revenue in, in such short stints. You know, you're right. Yeah, yeah right. for sure. So, because we've also had times in this industry where there's been so much money and so much yeah. hiring. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's part of just whether or not someone's qualified mm-hmm. or not or what the position mm-hmm. is that level it's at. But yeah, we, we will do yeah. the jobs thing. I will do that job Zoom in December. I'm still working on dates right now, or maybe actually end of November after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that might be a good, the holidays make it a little yeah. tricky, but we will do it. Um, so we're out of time here, Mark. Let's keep this short. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. Everything that Mark and I talked about today is up on my yes. LinkedIn. Uh, also, if you're interested in seeing any of the videos from the NEB Show Streaming Summit in New York City last month, they are all online. Oh, awesome. Okay. Put them up today. So NAB Streaming. I should know the URL, right? It's how long a day it's been. It's nabstreamingsummit.com. <laughs> There's a link if you scroll down. You can see all the videos. Thanks to Kaltura for giving us the free platform. Thanks to Mobion for doing all the video capture. But those are online. And then, Mark, I'm also opening the call for speakers. By the time people are listening to the podcast, it'll already mm-hmm. be open at nabstreamingsummit.com. Awesome. I will be adding a third track on AI, like I mentioned previously. So, any questions, reach out to me. Mark and I, thank you all for listening and attending. Uh, next month, Mark, it'll be two years Amazing. somehow that we've been doing this two podcast years. and somehow you're really? still talking to me. So that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, this is like 75 or 76 episodes. And, and you know, you let's see. I think you called me a year before that even to suggest that, you know, yeah, because yeah. I'm like, Dan, are we going to do this thing? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, going to do it. I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. It took a whole year just to actually set aside yeah, the time. Yeah. But good. yeah, we're, uh, we're on two years awesome. come December. So you'll, you'll get some, uh, some nice things showing up in the mail for you ah, next month. That's nice. You can, uh, do some testing on, but, uh, yeah, we thank everyone for listening. Any questions, reach out to Mark and I, everyone have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you in the next podcast. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Have questions for Dan or Mark? Connect with them on LinkedIn at any time. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.